Dr. Jennifer Mukija here, your private wellness consultant detective. Thank you for joining me for episode two, Rosa Species. Recently, while perusing a secondhand bookstore, I found a beautiful little volume, For Love of a Rose by Antonia Ridge, penned in 1965. I'd love to read from you, from page 21. And Madame Mivière, swift and delighted to sense his interest, began to talk to him of the long, long romance of the rose, telling him how, since time began, men the world over have declared their love of a rose. Study history or travel where one may, said Madame Mivière, and time and again one comes across the most moving evidence of the way the human heart has always gone out to the rose. And he would listen to her entranced, picturing Chinese emperors long, long dead, meditating in silken state in the celestial perfume of their vast imperial rose gardens. Or he would picture the rough seamen of old sailing the seven seas in their cockle-shell boats and coming home to tell how the scent of yellow roses would come drifting across the blue waters, lapping the faraway island of Rhodes, making all their hearts grow soft as velvet within them. He also loved to picture fine, swaggering, Thibault, king of Navarre, galloping home from some glorious crusade and bringing with him cuttings of the damask roses that bloomed in the gardens of the infidel Turks to plant his own royal Christian garden. But best of all, he loved to stand and look at Madame Mivier's Rosa Noisiatiana, his heart going out, if you please, to the Empress Josephine, who also loved roses and who had that very rose growing in her own garden at Malmaison. And presently he would imagine he could see a great clumsy giant of a man come lumbering into Josephine's rose garden, a man with monstrous misshapen hands, the hands of a navy, so they said. But those hands could paint flowers and above all, Roses, with such charm, such delicacy, such love, said Madame Mivier, that his paintings will always speak to the heart as well as the eye. Let me read for you uh, a quote from the back of the book here from the Manchester Evening News. This warm and moving true story is set in France and tells the histories of two remarkable families of rose cultivators who eventually became united through marriage and their work together and the creation of the famous Peace Rose. The portraits of the main people concerned are superbly created and the account of the long and painstaking problems of developing new roses and of the battle for new rose patents is also of great interest. All who enjoy the roses in their own gardens will enjoy reading this book. 
I've long loved roses, but it wasn't until I visited India and had the absolute pleasure of experiencing the fragrance of an Indian rose, Rosa Indica, or locally the locally known as the Daisy Gula, that I really, really was entranced by the most fragrant, intoxicating smell that you can imagine. These roses are a gorgeous, vivid pink, which stand out all the more against much of the, the dusty scenery that we were nearby. They only seem to bloom for a few days at a time, and many people will pick them and lay them in beautiful trays or crockery, just with a little bit of water in the base, laying out the roses and letting them float as a beautiful table centerpiece. Roses also have healing properties. Let me read to you from the Complete Medicinal Herbal by Penelope Odimin. From page 90. There is a saying that roses are good for the skin and the soul, and they have a long tradition of medicinal use. In Roman times, the wild rose, Rosa canina, was recommended for the bites of rabid dogs. Roses continued as an official medicine well into the 1930s, when tincture of apothecary's rose, Rosa gallica, was prescribed for th sore throats. Today, roses are still highly prized. The oil is extremely expensive and is one of the most important oils in aromatherapy. In Ayurvedic medicine, roses are considered cooling and a tonic for the mind. And here, Penelope has a quote by Ascham's Herbal from 1550. Dry roses put to ye nose to smell do comfort the brain and the heart and quencheth sprite. She describes their character as sweet, astringent and generally either neutral or slightly cooling. And the constituents of the rose, volatile oil, vitamins C, B, E, K and tannins. Rose oil contains some 300 chemical constituents of which only around 100 have been identified so far. And roses, Penelope describes, have the actions of being an antidepressant, antispasmodic, aphrodisiac, astringent, sedative, digestive stimulant. They increase bile production, cleansing, expectorant, antibacterial, antiviral, antiseptic, kidney tonic, blood tonic, and menstrual regulator, and they're anti-inflammatory. Let me read you further from Penelope's beautiful piece here on the rose. Rose hips, for example, from Rosa canina, are valued as an important source of vitamin C. They're still used in commercial teas, syrups and fruit drinks. The leaves were once used as a substitute for tea. 
from the Rosa Lea Vegata rose hips from China. The hips from this rose are known as Yin Ying Zi and are mainly used as kidney tonic prescribed for urinary dysfunction. Like other rose remedies, they are astringent and taken for chronic diarrhea. The Chinese, she says, use rose flowers as an energetic stimulant and blood tonic to relieve stagnant liver energies. She states that they're used for digestive irregularities just as the main part of the rose and also for heavy periods and they can be harvested during flowering. In talking about the Rosa Damascena essential oil, Penelope states that the Damask Rose blooms for only a couple of weeks. The petals are collected and steam distilled to produce true Bulgarian rose oil used in around 96% of all women's perfumes. Medicinally, it's an important nervine used for depression and anxiety, and it's thought to help those who lack love in their lives. It can also be added to skin remedies or taken for digestive problems. She states that rose water is a byproduct of steam distillation of Bulgarian rose oil and makes a good skin remedy. She's also placed some helpful cautions regarding roses. She describes that because of the high price of rose oil, adulteration is very commonplace and that it's best to use only the finest quality genuine oil medicinally. She says that it's non-toxic and can be taken internally but that you should seek professional advice first if you're new to herbs and that it's important to only use the rose species which she's listed and not just regular garden hybrids. She's also described how to make a tincture from petals. She states to take up to three meals three times a day for diarrhoea or sluggish digestion and that you can combine this with ladies mantle, white dead nettle or shepherd's purse for irregularly or heavy menstruation. And of course, as always, we advise you not to take this podcast as medical advice but to see your physician. Finally, I'd like to describe a delicious rose and saffron lassie, which you can easily make with a pinch of saffron, 500 grams of Greek style plain yogurt, three tablespoons of caster sugar, four cardamom pods, grind the seeds, so open them and grind the seeds, and half a teaspoon to one teaspoon of rose water, depending on the strength. You'll also need some ice 
and you can garnish with a tablespoon of pistachios or some rose petals. So first you'll need to soak the saffron in a tablespoon of hot water and leave to cool and infuse to a buttercup yellow. Then put the yogurt and sugar into a blender with 250 mils or one cup of icy cold water. Add the saffron and most of the ground cardamom and rose water. Blend, then taste for sweetness and fragrance, adding more sugar, cardamom and rose water to taste, as rose waters vary, vary enormously in strength. Then blend again until a foamy cloud floats on the top and pour into glasses and add ice and a sprinkle of the pistachios or roses on top. And this uh, rose and saffron lassi recipe originates in India and it is can be found on page 122 of a wonderful book by Eleanor Ford called The Nutmeg Trail. Eleanor actually has a piece in here discussing roses in her section on a starter spice library on page 26 where she describes the rose and says that buds and petals of the rose bush likely native to China whilst the exceptionally fragrant damask rose is from the Middle East. Floral, sweet and musky. The delicate flavour can quickly become overwhelming and so one needs to use it judiciously. I have recently been really enjoying a new uh, rose fragrance by Erin Lauder and that actually uses the Indian daisy rose. Uh, that perfume is called Joyful Bloom and I will put a link in the description if you're interested. So today we've talked about roses and how their nature is very soothing for the body and can act as an antidepressant, um, a calmative agent, a blood tonic and a menstrual regulator. And not only that, but the colour of roses I think is also very calming and soothing for the nervous system and provides a sense of reassurance. When surrounded by roses, one can feel a sense of love, a sense of compassion and really experience one of the most beautiful things that nature has to offer. I hope you've enjoyed the discussion today and I'll put some links in the description if you're interested in any of the books. Uh, that we discussed today as well as an interesting video on how rose water and rose perfumes are traditionally uh, produced.